You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Next Wednesday, South Africa goes to the polls to elect a new ruling party, or rather a ruling party, and a new president, or rather a president. On the telephone now to set the scene is Chris Hart, Impact Investment Africa economic analyst, to set the scene. And this podcast is proudly brought to you by sharenet.co.za. Chris, I'm a political agnostic, but even I am being slightly intrigued by what's going to happen next Wednesday. What do you think? How important is this? Well, I think to me it's a crucial election because um, the municipal, if we look at it from the point of view of the extension of the, the municipal election, at that point the ANC basically started to dip down below 50% on the urban vote. And South Africa is tilted to be a more urban uh, country. It's about 67% urban at the moment uh, and becoming increasingly so. And this is a unique feature of Africa. It's not like uh, in in other African countries where it's still 80% rural and and 20% urban. So that's the first key thing. And the second is um, we've gone through enormous turmoil in terms of change in leadership. The whole um, sleaze that that has been, and it's actually more than sleaze, with uh, what we euphemistically call state capture, which has been literally an outright looting and a country that economically is is really on the brink um, and also operationally from a point of view of state-owned enterprise is also on the brink of where we're seeing utter systemic failure, uh, uh, you know, brought about through maladministration, corruption and, and what are called bad policies implemented badly. Um, I think uh, you know we've got that that on there. Unfortunately, um, you know the analysis, especially on the economic side, has been almost like putting the good guys against the bad guys, um, or the good guys fighting the bad guys yes. against uh, capture all that type of thing. Um, and we we see a lot of praise singing uh, with the so-called good guys, uh, and that's the people defending national treasury from state capture, etc. Um, and in fact, it's the good guys in terms of the policy thinking and policy direction that has actually effectively taken us into junk status. And we need to see it to turn around in thinking, fresh thinking. We did not see that with the budget. I would have thought that the Minister of Finance this year would have come up with fresh thinking to stimulate the economy. But to be fair, how much fresher can you get? I mean, the fact is that we have nearly 30% unemployment. There's zero growth. There are layers and layers and layers of administrative hurdles to to doing business in this country. And we have emerging markets elsewhere in the world which are so so much more attractive when it comes to exactly. foreign direct investment and long-term foreign direct well, investment as well. Well, this is, this is what I mean by the fresh thinking, is that we didn't see the fresh thinking from the t- turnaround, from the, the, the sheer um, oppression of overtaxation and overregulation and uh, uh, clearly an economic uh, and investment uh, offering that is so... Uh, unattractive relative to other, other jurisdictions, even our actual direct neighbours are, are offering better deals than what South Africa is, is offering. Just something like the petrol price, for instance, which has been overtaxed. It's, we supply our neighbours and our neighbours are supplying their economies at a cheaper rate than what we are actually charging in our own economy. 
Uh, and that's indicative of what's happening. We have the highest tax burden in the world uh, when one considers um, the actual mix that things like education, security, etc., health, as all figures from the point of view of the 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 um, the, the in middle and investing classes um, are all expenses that have to be paid out of after-tax income, even though the taxes have been charged for those type of services, um, and and yet they are in disarray. Um, the the Overtaxation and overregulation is something that needs to be turned around. We did not see that thinking in the budget. It wasn't, uh, you know, if we're lo- looking for turnaround in the state of the nation address and, the, you know, combined with the budget, you would have thought in the, the budget, you would have said, ah, oh, here's something where there's different thinking, even if it's erroneous thinking, but there was different thinking. It was more incremental, more of the same, um, and already the growth predictions that, that were, were touted at the beginning of the year, already being downgraded, as we have seen in the last 10 years. And will continue uh, to be downgraded, unfortunately, because um, that is a reality. As long as the the US economy and the Chinese economy and the European economy keep ticking along, and when I say the European economy, actually, let me just remove that from those three that I just mentioned. But anyway, as long as the world economy is still ticking along quite nicely, according yeah. to the IMF, 3.3% this year, then we will probably be okay but if the world economy takes a downturn because of a crash in the stock market or something then we're in really big trouble because people are not going to look at emerging markets again and then we are really in trouble well let's let's put it this way in good times one can actually see uh poor policy almost papered over we saw this with the mining sector and the big fat boom our economy ticked along okay um, in the 2000, but it, it 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 hit the fact that our mining in industry had become uninvestable because of poor policy uh, application. And in the downturn, right, that was when the actual damage was actually revealed, when uh, basically you saw the, the dearth of investors willing to actually keep marginal shafts going. It was much easier to just shut them wholesale because there was no uh, line of sight to the long-term prospects of, of recovery of that, that investment that would have had to been made to keep a marginal shaft open or a marginal mine going. Yeah. Um, and so the downturn, you saw it badly. But I'd like to go back on on um, when you say as long as the rest of the world is sticking over, I'd like to actually, in a sense, just not differ with you, but uh, paint something different. Okay, yes. In the sense that South Africa is decorrelating from the rest of the world. In other words, Whatever the world is doing, South Africa is underperforming at an increasing rate. Mm. All right, and 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 I would put it through, and that comes from relative competitiveness as to the jurisdictions that we we offering now. The the US and Europe and all of these countries have been literally making their own goals in terms of overtaxation, overregulations. The, the global financial crisis happens in 2008 and everybody meets and they all agree to put the same measures in. So, so um, everybody's making the same mistakes at the same time. There's no scope to actually differentiate. The Brexit, between Brexit and Trump, Trump has unilaterally just cut taxes and cut regulations. There hasn't had a G20 meeting to say, let's all cut taxes, let's all cut regulations, etc. He's just cut them. And so the own goals that were in place in the US are now gone. So why would you want to take your money and try and find a place elsewhere in the world 
unless they respond in at least the same measures, if not more, to what the U.S. is doing in taxes and regulation. And South Africa has done exactly the opposite. It's increased taxes, increased regulation in the face of the best economy in the world doing the opposite. It means that the actual exacerbation of the uh, unattractiveness of uh, us as, a, as an investment destination was actually hugely enhanced by a quite a big factor in the last uh, two years. And this is even in the face of the change of the face of the change in leadership. What we've been focusing on is corruption. And I say there's three ugly sisters. It's corruption, overtaxation, and overregulation. Those are the three ugly sisters. And if I were to had to choose between one, I would prefer corruption over overtaxation and overregulation. That's quite because a overtaxation That's quite a overtaxation, overtaxation and overregulation has in fact a bigger negative effect on the economy than corruption. Now, I'm not talking about looting, okay, because looting is just the withdrawal of the funds out of the country, which is, of course, a factor in South Africa. But corruption is basically really just financial oppression where you're shifting uh, the deals from one to the other. But the actual, you know, if you say you need to build a road and you you corruptly allocate it to one contractor as opposed okay. to another, it means that you are uh, the the... the um, allocation of capital is not as efficient and all the rest of it, but the road still gets bought. Okay. Um, that, that's in that scenario when corruption is actually just uh, favoring, you know, just a, a factor of patronage. But when you've actually got wholesale looting as well, that actually is a huge uh, factor when money is just being siphoned out to foreign countries in cash, and etc. We're seeing that damage done. And there's, there's certain state-owned utilities that are probably beyond. A lot to think about, Chris. When you state. when you say you prefer corruption to the other matters that oh, you oh, spoke about, they are all hugely damaging. Let's face they it, really hugely are. damaging. But you can take a country like Kenya, and I'll give you an example. Kenya, Kenya is rated as corrupt as Nigeria. In other words, it's actually a it can't be nowhere as cor- is, as corrupt you, as Nigeria. If, surely, if you if you if, if you take a look at things like Transparency International's thing. Kenya is more or less in the same rank, order of ranking as Nigeria, right? But they have consistently had higher growth because their their, their tax rates and regulation is not as onerous as South Africa's, and that's one of the reasons why they're actually able to to thrive. In other words, you you know from a normal ability of, to, to actually operate in that economy, um, it, it's possible. And I think the difference between Nigerian corruption and Kenyan. Corruption is, in fact, you don't have the same degree of violence and coercion um, that goes with the Nigerian style. But uh, nevertheless, the, the you know under the table stuff is, is diabolical, actually. <laughs> um, and yet, they, yet they are able to consistently achieve a growth rate, um, you know, in the, uh, above the sub-Saharan African. Uh, area rather than below, which is where South Africa is, not just below, but well below. Um, we we struggle with, as I say, it's overtaxation and co- over regulation, which is no, we're not paying attention to that at all. If anything, we're just blundering on. We've got so many, um, how can I say, wrecking balls that are in the pipeline. When us, there are complete wrecking balls that will take us deep into junk and possibly to the IMF, the National Health Insurance. This is just blundering on um, because 
policy pronouncements that it's policy and we just have to do it, even though it's completely unsustainable. Uh, we've got that that going on there. The civil servants, if you have a look at the budget, for instance, the budget has, it, in the budget, we know we are in deep trouble as far as the rating agencies and investment and all that concerned. They have budgeted for us to be in a worse position next year than what it is this year because they only budgeted for nominal economic growth to be about six and a half and the actual budget expenditure and salaries and all that are going to grow about just just about 0.2% short of 10%. In other words, they're budgeting for the expenditure to, to grow a grow more than the economy. Chris, you paint, a, um, you, you paint a very bleak, not gloomy, but uh, disturbing picture, I would say. A bit of bleak, gloomy and disturbing altogether. Let's talk about what's going to happen next week with the election itself. Right. Because I look at the three candidates here. ANC, yes. you vote for them because of legacy, just because the ANC has always been there yes. and it's been there for 25 years since democracy yeah. uh, thankfully came to the Republic of South Africa. But you vote for them just because they are the ANC, even though they are the most corrupt political party in the world outside yeah. of Venezuela. Then you've got the DA. So you've got legacy for the ANC. With the DA, you're limp, they're limp-wristed. They are really yeah. limp-wristed. And you've got the EFF, the Economic Freedom Fighters, F off, I say. EFF well, off. What you're going to actually see is, a, is, is at this stage there's quite a lot of disaffection um, uh, going on, and it's not going to be alert to the left. Uh, I think the EFF might see some gains, but my sense is they've actually peaked. Um, and I know they've got polls that are putting them at 14 or 15% double where they were last mm. last time, but I'd be surprised if they gained much more than 10%. Um, and the reason is they don't actually appeal you know, to, in the actual deep heart, heart strings of, of most voters. They don't resonate with South African society because they're so badly mannered. Um, and, and South Africa is a well-managed. Now, people are brought up reasonably well across the spectrum. And we're quite, we're quite, we're quite, we're actually quite conservative in that that way. Across, that's the one common thread across South African individual communities is that we're quite conservative and we still cherish good manners. Um, that's such the, a good thing to now just say that again. We cherish good manners. That is really such a good thing to say about South Africa. Because when you see these people who stand up, there's another party or rather there's another movement apart from the EFF that stands up and they shout at you. Don't shout yes. at people. Just tell people what your views are. And if we disagree with you, that's fine. But don't exactly shout at us. But it, but unfortunately, the, the, these hard, they, they dominate because the media uh, basically cheers them on and eggs them on. Um, and, and, and that's why they, they enjoy the, the media. So they may well be, um, it, 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 they may carry some momentum, but we're not seeing that momentum in the by-elections, which I would have expected to see uh, if this was a party that was actually surging. There's a huge amount of d disaffection with the ANC, uh, and that that I suspect may well get a lower percentage vote than it's going to be surprisingly low. Let's put it that way. It may well be. Uh, it could even come at you know percentage of point or two below 55. And now we we're just doing pundits. But what's going to be the surprising thing is I think the smaller parties are going to see a bit of a resurgence. Oh, good. Um, well, the only exception may well be the UDM of, of Bonte Holomisa because they actually put the ANC back into power in Port Elizabeth, um, which, of course, is a death knell for any 
any small political party. If you, if you, you know, an opposition voter votes opposition not to have the ruling party being put back in. You know, or, you know, at your, um, you know, just because of that. So that would have done damage. But cope, IFP, ACDP, all of these parties are going to see some sort of resurgence, and so you're going to see some disaffection with both the ANC and the DA. The DA will probably hold on to their support, but it will have shifted. Um, they, they would get higher black support, but lower um, white support, for instance. Um, that's that's going to be, the, uh, again, an interesting development of the the election. But I think the DA, as you say, is limp-wristed. It's actually a little bit, they're trying to actually get into that ANC space by saying, we're a better ANC than the ANC. <laughs> so in other words, they're saying that they're buying the ANC's They're right apologetic, in other say, words. We, yeah, we've we we've got good policies just implemented badly, all right. Instead of saying you've got bad policies implemented badly and we can actually do better, all right. And 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 that would have been the ANC, the, the, the strength, but they're not doing that. It's not clear. Um, uh, the EFF probably will be more than what they had last time, but not much more than what they got in the municipal election. Because as I said, I do think that they uh, they were also complicit in the Eastern Cape, and I think. You know, as an opposition party, if you help bring the ruling party back, then you'd say, well, why, why vote for you? You know, that's yeah. it's really as it's simple as that. So, Chris, we're going to have um, to leave it there. But, I mean, this is fascinating yeah. stuff. And we're going to speak um, after the election or maybe even just before the election when other polls come yes. out. It was a very thought-provoking chat. Thank you very much. That was Chris Hart from Impact Investment Africa, economic analyst at that institution. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with ShareNet.co.za.